Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. We're happy to have Brother Bob Fouts with us. We're going to invite him up this morning for our Bible Instruction Time. Brother Bob, please. Well, good morning. Good to be with you folks again. We've been enjoying our time here in Florida with you folks. You've already been kind of the highlight of the whole time we've been here. Uh, it's always great to gather with the Lord's people. You, you can probably gather from the passages that were read that we're going to be dealing with a topic of faith. We're not going to necessarily deal with those particular passages, but I want to emphasize we're going to deal with the qualities of true faith. And you may be thinking, well, is he questioning the quality of the faith of the people here? No, not at all. But I also know that we have to, time to time, be very vigilant in checking the quality of our faith, how true it really is. And just as a way of example, uh, kind of an embarrassing but enjoyable example in my own life, I think I might have shared this with Don, uh, we were traveling across the country, which we did every summer with the boys, being a school teacher, I had my summers free, and we were, <laughs> just got out of Gurney, Nebraska, which is in no man's land, and heading into Colorado, we got to a little town called Ovid, which really wasn't a town at all, and all of a sudden my car started to act up, the van, and we go a little ways, and it would stop, then I set, and we go a little further, and it stopped, and then we go a little further and it stopped. And of course, every time I pulled over, people were coming around trying to help us out. But nobody had any idea what was going on. Of course, I didn't. I'm not a mechanic by any stretch of the imagination. And of course, I was getting a little bit frustrated and concerned because I had my family here. We're out in no man's land. It's literally no man's land in that area. And my 10-year-old son just stands by the door and he says, Hey, Dad. Isn't it going to be exciting to see how the Lord gets us out of this? <laughs> you know, we had been on two missionary trips, one to Barranquilla, Colombia, when the boys were five and seven. We went to Belize when they were a couple of years older. And they had heard, I'm sure, me say that many times, and other people say that many times. You know, how's the Lord going to get us out of this? I'm sure he will. But what struck me was, here's my 10-year-old son, who was a believer at that time, by the way, telling his dad what his dad should have known all along. But he could see, in essence, I think I was a little bit fretful because here's my family along the road in nowhere. And he said, isn't it going to be exciting to see how the Lord's going to get us out of this? And I thought, wow. You see, the subject today is the quality of our faith. You know, I know we all have faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. That's obvious. I mean, after the last hour, how could it not be obvious? I'm trusting totally. My faith is totally in the person, in the toning work of the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation. But what about in the everyday aspect of life? So what we're going to be looking at today are qualities of true faith. In Hebrews 11.6, we read, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm sure on that day in Colorado, my faith was not pleasing to God, but my son's was. 
And, you know, how many times we find ourselves uh, just reluctant to say, boy, is the Lord really going to get us out of this situation? Why is the Lord allowing me going to go through this situation? And, you know, we have to understand what Hebrews 11.6 is saying. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Another verse that comes to mind that I want to share with you is 1 Thessalonians 3.10. It says, perfect that which is lacking in your faith. See, I feel qualified to speak on this because there was a time I was lacking in faith when my little boy was not. And I think that's true of all of us at times. We are to perfect that which is lacking in our faith. You know, these words suggest a profitable inquiry into those qualities which accompany true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, we read, Watch, or be on the alert, stand fast in the faith. And of course, that's the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. We have it all here in front of us in this marvelous book. And we've experienced it in our lives. There's no question about that. But then in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, we read this. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. In other words, test yourself. And that's what we're going to be doing this morning, very briefly. We're going to be looking at several things that point out that it is good to examine our faith to see whether it is really producing in us what it is intended to result, what the intended results are to be. And we will look at several things that should accompany true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are going to be seven of them. The first one is, is true faith in Christ is restful. And you'll find in Hebrews chapter 4, just a verse 1 there, Let us therefore fear lest, promise, uh, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Yes, it's possible to come short of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in verse 3, it says, We which have believed have true faith, we do enter into rest. See, true faith in Christ is to be restful. And I couldn't help but think of the, the, many of the dear saints here, just in the short time that we've been, who have been through trials and testings, just while we have been here. Some took place before we got here. Some took place while we were here. And you know, it's amazing. All of us go through trials and tests in life. And do we really understand how close the Lord is with us during those times? You ever find yourself questioning, why, Lord? Why am I in this situation? You know, the Lord never makes mistakes, you know. He allows things into our life. And, you know, we have the promise in Scripture that true faith in Christ is to be restful. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him to do his work in his time and in this way. In verse 6 of John, er, Hebrews 4, Although God had promised believers that they may enter into his rest, it says some may fail to experience it in experience it because it is in unbelief, lack of faith. Are you always restful? 
in any situation that you find yourself in. From a human perspective, no way. No way. And yet, you know, we, have, we understand what God says. In all things, rest in me. Put your faith and trust and confidence in me. You know, the divine promise still holds true today. The believer in the Lord Jesus Christ may enter into God's rest through faith. You see, this was true in our salvation, our justification. What did we rest in? To know that we've been justified, that we are justified. Well, we rest in the finished work of Christ. Isn't that what we're rejoicing in this morning? I'm justified. I'm sanctified. I'm glorified. Oh, it's not in myself. I'm resting in the finished work of Christ for those most important things in our relationship with him. Yea, justified, oh, blessed thought. Sanctified, salvation wrought. Thy blood is pardoned, bought for me, and glorified I too shall be. I'm so thankful this morning that I know I'm at total rest, that in God's eyes I have been justified, been declared righteous before him. I'm sanctified. He sees me as holy because I'm accepted in the Holy One. And yes, I'm even already glorified. And yet, you know, that is still coming in the fullness of what we all long for. It is also true as we speak about sanctified, being sanctified, how do I know that I am living, I can be holy in this life? Well, Philippians 1, 6 tells us, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, I can't live a holy, sanctified life in myself, but I don't have to. He will enable me and he sees me that way. You see, all the promises of God are yea and amen through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in Habakkuk, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, it says after God in creation, God rested. What does that emphasize? Well, it's the sense of a satisfaction, a rest that comes with the completion of a task. And the rest of the Christian life comes through complete reliance on the promises of God and in complete surrender to his will. Now, sometimes I think we get to the point where we come into the Lord's table, and it's a wonderful time, and we, we rejoice in what we have in Christ concerning our salvation. But you know, then we have to leave this place. Now, we haven't forgotten what we have in Christ concerning our salvation. But now, out here in the world... There's all kinds of tribulation and trials and testings and things that come into our life that challenge our faith. Now, that doesn't mean I forget about my you know, salvation, that faith. But, you know, life is hard. Why is that so? Because we're sinners. We're sinners. We're living in a sinful world. It really is no fun living in this world. But you know, the truth of the matter is, we can be at rest no matter what the situation is. 
in our lives personally. And I know several people here who have been through very difficult times just in the times that we have been here. And, you know, it's not going to get any better in the future. You know, I'm 82 years old, and the Lord's been very gracious to me, but I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) I take every day as it comes. I don't think too far in the future from an earthly perspective anymore. But that's okay. I'm at complete rest. At least I like to think I am. But you see, the point is, many times we're not. And that's why all we're doing today is reminding you of some things we have to focus on in our faith. And the first one is, we are to rest in the, in, the, in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just for our salvation, but for every aspect of our life, whatever it may be. Rest in the Christian life comes through complete reliance on God's promises and in complete surrender to God's will. In 2 Corinthians 1, 2, it's all the promises of God are yea and so be it in and through Christ Jesus. Do you know how many promises there are in God's word for his children? You know, we focus on the big and most important one, obviously. And that's the promise of what we have in and through Christ concerning our salvation and being with him for all eternity. But for 82 years, not everything has been great in my life. Overall, it's been very good. But there are odd times that it hasn't been. And, you know, we have to understand, irregardless of what takes place in our lives, Christ is in our life. We should be at rest. And all I'm asking you is I have to ask myself every day, Am I living out the reality that true faith in Christ is just resting in the Lord, regardless of what may come my way? I have to move on. The second area of faith I want you to examine. True faith in Christ is joyful. We all know the scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes, true faith in Christ is joyful. But is the joy of the Lord evident in your life? Well, I know it is this morning. But I don't see you the rest of the week. The joy of the Lord is in my heart this morning. You don't see me the rest of the week. You know, irregardless of what comes to our, into our lives, can we honestly say we have, are experiencing the joy of the Lord? In my life. Yes, I'm asking you to examine your faith. Not just here. You go home and really spend time doing that. You know, happiness and joy are two different things. You know, there are times when I'm happy. You know, I'm happy when everything's going well. I'm happy when I really feel just comfortable. I'm happy when I'm full of joy. You know, there's nothing that brings more joy than when going to a, the big house and seeing Michigan beat Ohio State. When they do that, I am joyful. And I'm sure you have that for other things. You see, happiness is based on external things, things that are around us. But see, joy is something totally different. 
You see, it's the expectation of inner gladness, inner delight, in spite of our circumstances. And again, I have gotten to know you people just well enough to know that you have things going on in your life that you wish that were not there. I have things in my life which I wish were not there. I'm not excited about those. I don't have a lot of great joy in those. But at the same token, I understand. The Lord is in control of my life. He's allowed things to come into my life. And you know, then we often sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, we sing it. But is it a reality in your life? Is the joy of the Lord your strength? The psalmist writes in Psalm 35, 9, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. He shall rejoice in his salvation. I came across a little quote that goes this way. How can faith in such a gracious, all-powerful, knowing, caring, loving, merciful, redeeming, risen, returning Savior be anything other than but joyful? Do you realize what you have in your life, with Christ in your life? It just isn't salvation for eternity. I mean, ultimately, that's the most important. But he's with us every moment of every day. He knows what we're going through. You know, let's face it. He's allowed these things to come into our lives. And also, it's just a part of life. As you get older, we don't get better in every way. (laughs) Hopefully, we get a little wiser as we get older. But the truth of the matter is, the older we get, the more problems that will come into our lives that we have to deal with. And yet, in that case, it still should be joyful. Yes, true life in Christ is to be joyful. In Psalm 35, 9, my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. Well, moving on to number three. Examine yourself in relationship to this. True faith in Christ is hopeful. It's not hope so. It's hopeful. True faith in Christ is hopeful. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we read, faith is a substance or expectation being sure of things that we hope for. Now, the word hope in Scripture does not mean hope so. It means expectation. We live in expectation of those things that the Lord has promised us. It's being sure that the things hoped for, faith gives way, reality to proof of the things that we hope for and unseen, testing them as if they were already object of sight rather than hope. You know, we gather at the Lord's table and rejoice for what the Lord has done and what the ultimate result will be. But you know, do you really see that? Do we really see what we have in Christ from a spiritual perspective? I am placing my entire hope, expectation, on God's promises that I will be with him someday, but also that he will be with me through every day until that day comes. You see, the joy of the Lord should be our strength at all times. You know, it is how we see all the promises of God that are yea and amen in Christ. 
Jesus, 2 Corinthians 1.20. You see, we live expecting every last one of them to be fulfilled in our lives. Now, faith and hope, their expectation, they're not identical, but they are inseparable. Faith and hope. True faith in the Lord Jesus Christ means I live in expectation of him working in and through my life every moment of every day, irregardless of what he may allow to come in to my life. Those who have hopeful faith in Christ, you see hope in every circumstance. You see hope in every trial. Now, you don't appreciate the circumstance. You don't appreciate the trial. But we see hope in it. You know, the Lord never allows anything to come into our lives that doesn't pass through his hand first. See, these are things we quote and we know, but do we apply them in our hearts and life? You see, this is why we're just saying, examine your faith. Is your faith in Christ hopeful? You know, the next one, true faith in Christ is loving. True faith in Christ is loving. Galatians 5, 6. Faith which worketh by or through love. Ephesians 6.23. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith. And I couldn't help but think of the saints in Thessalonica. You know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul rejoiced in the good news of their love and faith. Now, when you think about the saints of Thessalonica, I guess uh, this may, may only be my opinion, but as you read about all of the various churches in the Scripture, no one seemed to suffer more for the Lord than the church at Thessalonica. Constantly, they were faithful to the Lord in serving the Lord, witnessing for the Lord, and yet they were being persecuted time and time and time again. Is that surprising? When's the last time you really suffered because of your relationship to the Lord in relationship to others? Think about it. Now, here are these dear saints, and I know that they were troubled in Paul's heart because, you know, he had to write them two letters almost in two years. You know, in First Thessalonians, he tells them about the blessed hope of the rapture. And all of a sudden, he writes them a year later in, in Second Thessalonians, and he has to say, no, you didn't miss the rapture because, you see, the false teachers were telling him, oh, you're already in the day of the Lord. You missed it. You know, they were really puzzled and threatened by that. You know, the church of Thessalonica went through all kinds of trials and testings. From who? the world around them, and yet they were faithful. And that's what Paul emphasizes to them. Paul rejoiced in the good news of their faith and love in spite of the trials and the testings that they were going through because of their faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. When's the last time you suffered for the Lord? I know you suffered in other ways. 
You know, I look back at my own life, you know, there aren't all that many times that I can recall suffering for the Lord. Well, I've had a few tracks thrown back in my face. When I was in Barranquilla, Colombia, and when I mentioned the name Jesus Christ to a man sitting on a bench, he got up and took a swing at me. I thought, whoa. I said, Lord, you've got to help this. And it wasn't that I was really afraid of the man, because he was actually smaller than me. But he went in a rage when I mentioned Jesus Christ. I said, Lord, you've got to take care of this. I don't want to end up having to deck somebody. That's not what you're going to the mission field to do. And, you know, immediately the Lord took care of it. All of a sudden it stopped. He went back and sat down. And, you know, I don't remember too many other times where I've really suffered for the Lord. Is that good? It's really not. It's really not. You know, when we are to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to understand there's going to be times that our faith is going to cause us to suffer for the Lord. But the Lord is going to be with us. And those who have hopeful faith in Christ, those who have true faith in Christ in a loving way, we're going to find that if we live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer persecution. True faith in Christ is loving. You see, faith which worketh by and through love, Galatians 5, 6, Ephesians 6.23, peace be to the brethren in love with faith. And again, be like the church of Thessalonica. Be willing to stand up, have your faith tested and tried by witnessing to him. Trust in a God of love makes faith a reflex vehicle to the love of others. Well, we have to move on to number five or we're not going to get done. True faith in Christ is practical. True faith in Christ is practical. James 2.20 says, Faith without works is dead. We're aware of that. True faith is practical. It's a living, productive trust in Christ. You know, the love of Christ within us and our love for Christ should compel us to love in practical ways. And, you know, I've experienced that here, but I've experienced it in many places I've been. How the Lord's people come to the aid of the Lord's people. But you don't often see the Lord's people coming to the aid of those who are not the Lord's people. Well, we're aware of all the stuff that's going around in our neighborhoods. We see people suffering and going through difficult times. When's the last time you reached out to somebody other than a brother or sister in Christ and were really there to help them? You know, we have to understand the love of Christ and our love for Christ should compel us to love in very practical ways. You share the gospel. I don't have to share the gospel with my brother and sister in Christ. Who am I to share it with? Those who are not in Christ. That's scary from a human perspective. But the Lord expects us to do that. You know, as you think about other aspects of our our life in that respect, Use your spiritual gifts. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Should. Are you using it? That's where the Lord gifted you, to use it. 
You say, well, I feel so incompetent and uneasy. Yeah, I do too. You know, getting up here is not easy. It's not. A lot of responsibility. But if the Lord calls you to do something, you do it. You know, we have to understand how what practical is. Reaching out to one another physically, emotionally. That's the tough one. It's easy to help, easier to help someone in a physical condition than somebody who's in an emotional situation. Being a guidance counselor, I understand how difficult it is to deal with people in emotional situations. But you see, irregardless of what the situation might be, our faith in Christ is to be practical. We are to reach out to other people. All three of (coughs) these areas, true faith in Christ also is victorious. You know, we always say, faith is a victory that overcomes the world. Well, what is victory anyway? Well, it's overcoming defeat. You know, the devil will do everything he can to defeat you. He will. He'll put any stumbling block he can to keep you from being what you should be before the Lord. We have to understand that true faith in Christ is victorious. Oh, not just for our final destiny. Oh, yeah, we understand that. But in the day-by-day walk with the Lord, examine your faith. Is it victorious? Is it helping overcome what's going on in this world? And we complain so much about the wickedness that is all around us. How many people have you shared all around you who are, quote, wicked? Who don't have Christ in their lives? It takes courage to do that. And yet, you see, our faith, if there's a true faith, compels us to live a victorious Christian life. Not one that's shielded. You know, all areas of this, our victory is through who? the Lord Jesus Christ. So the next time you have an opportunity to share your faith with someone and you're scared to do it, I think scared is a good word to use because that's really how we feel sometimes. You say, Lord, give me the strength to do it, and he will. That doesn't mean you won't be rejected. Somebody may take a swing at you, throw something in your face. So what? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Yes, I'm sick of this wicked, sinful world, but what am I doing about it? I can't change the whole world by maybe having an effect upon somebody who is around me. And that's what we all have to keep in mind. Well, our time is moving on one more thing here. Faith, true faith in Christ is ever-growing. Ever-growing. I've been saved for 71 years. And I have to ask myself this question quite often. Bob, how much has your faith grown in 71 years? And when we talk about your faith growing, what are we talking about? Well, I think I'm at 25% faith now, and I'm striving to get to 35 or you say, well, you know, I think I'm at 50%. I'm trying to get to 75. Now, that, that's not what we're talking about here. It's not how much your faith is growing. 
What are we talking about here? How much of your faith has grown in him? In him. You know, I can honestly say, and I'm, I'm not, haven't reached the pinnacle. I have more confidence and trust in the Lord today than I did when I was first saved, that's for sure. I was just glad to be saved. But over the years, yes, I have seen my faith grow in him, relying upon him, trusting in him, looking to him. You see, all these things we're talking about, the other six, are not going to happen unless you're, you are growing in your faith in him. <laughs> you try to do all these other things on your own, you're going to fall flat on your face. It's only through the power of the Lord working in your life that you can move forward in a positive direction in every aspect of your life. Well, we have to bring this to a conclusion here. These are tests that we should apply to our faith. Is it restful? Is it joyful? Is it hopeful? Is it loving? Is it practical? Is it victorious? Is it growing? Remember the verse we read earlier, perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Is God's will your will in this matter? May the Lord just bless these few thoughts and challenge our hearts to truly go home and examine ourselves in relationship to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our gracious God and dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word for the truth and the instruction that we receive from it. We know the instrument is weak, but your word is powerful. Your work your work can change us. Your desire is for us to have our faith grow in every aspect. And that faith is to grow in you. And may it be so in the hearts and lives of each one gathered here together today. So we thank you again for the wonderful time we've had together. For this time we've been able to spend in your word, just use it, Lord, to your name's honor and glory. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.